Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome everybody to the Last Lap Podcast, the Last Lap Podcast on its last lap of the season, since this is the season-ending episode for Abu Dhabi. Abu, Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi? Abu, I would say Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi. <laughs> Abu Dhabi, yeah. Right. That's fine. <laughs> close enough, close enough. Uh, as always, I am your host, Andrew Pearson, and alongside me is my ever-faithful co-host, Sean Gray. Hello, everybody. Thank you very much. Um, here to take you through, well, sadly, not the most exciting race to ever end a season, despite the fact that they tried to whack double points on it to make it even more exciting. Um, <laughs> didn't get much on track action for those final points positions, sadly. Triple, um, quadruple, fivefold points wouldn't have made it any more interesting, I don't think. They, uh, the, the only thing that could have made that race more interesting is if they put like the Mario Kart power-ups on there. It, it needed a blue shell to... This, mix isn't, things this up. isn't news, though. I mean, it's always been a bad track. It's probably... I used to go on about Bahrain, but I think Abu Dhabi might be worse. So. Yeah. No, I, I think so. I've always thought so. I hated Abu Dhabi. It's, it's, it's those awful. massive runoff areas. I think it just looks horrible. It's what, like, it doesn't even look nice. <laughs> no, and they, it's that little infield section that looks like it's like almost a street circuit, but there's still so much runoff that like nobody crashes into the walls at Abu Dhabi, and no. there are there they are there to be crashed into. It just never happens. It's just a, it's too easy. Yes, it's too easy for them. Anyway. It's, the, it's the it's the Mushroom Kingdom tracks. It's not Rainbow Road. That's <laughs> keep with the Mario Kart uh, mm. phrasing. If we're going to, why not? Everybody loves Mario Kart. Yeah, indeed. Um, so. Lewis Hamilton, winner of the race, winner of the World Championship. Uh, we'll we'll talk about the season and you know deserving and all those bits and pieces kind of after the race. Um, but it, what can you say really? He got the most, got the best start of probably anybody the whole entire season. He got he got a best start, and Nico got one of his worst starts, <laughs> and that, that was it. You know, like. It wasn't like Nico got an okay start and Lewis just got a better one. They both there was the polar opposite. So that it was you going down to turn one, Nico was miles back already. It was oh well. It's not often you can say that a world title is won in one corner, but it, it in a way you pretty much can say that about um yeah. about that race. As soon as soon as Lewis was ahead, it, it just didn't We'll talk I about think mentally problem, everybody but... just went He's won it. Mm-hmm. Like no, it I, did. Seemed, I certainly did as a fan. It, it seemed complete, didn't it? There, that you know, the the battle was going to be first, and then maybe if something went wrong, you, you'd see something. But he kind of, yeah, just Lewis got in front, and and that was it. Even yeah. if Nico hadn't had his trouble, at no point did you really look. Did you feel like he could challenge Lewis? No. No, I, uh, uh, for right away from the first corner, it was like, okay, then if Nico's going to win this world title, Lewis has to break down. He has to DNF. And I don't know. It just 
it was. It was like a, everybody was sitting around just waiting for the inevitable moment in an hour's time when Lewis was going to be crowned world champion. It, they tried to build it up as oh, the jewel in the desert and all this kind of stuff. Oh, it's going to be final battle between the two, but I, I, I don't know. It was uh, the writing was on the wall from from the first corner. Sadly, yes. Um, we, we would usually work our way down the list, but I think it's worth talking about what happened to to Nico now because it's impossible to not talk about it really without talking about Lewis winning the race um what what did you make of what happened was it uh, when looking it uh, back on the race sort of Brundle had mentioned that he thought that it was the big lock up um where he went right and really slowed down uh, before coming back on which i thought was a bit odd at the time but i I put it down to the fact that I thought he was just being very cautious because um, I think Jensen wasn't too far behind him and when he pulled back on the track, he still nearly clouted him. Um, so I kind of assumed, oh, right, okay, he's just not wanting to, you know, make things worse. He's just going to come back on and, and get back up to speed again. Uh, and then when it, uh, the sort of gremlins in the, in the Urs unit was, was mentioned, it then so, suddenly started to think like, well, what if... What if the Urs had went, you know, whilst it was harvesting, breaking and bits and pieces, and then suddenly he's not slowing down, so he slams on the anchors, which causes him to lock the brakes and skids off. The Urs unit is down, so in, when he was trying to pull back on, you know, his engine was all over the place, um, and presumably in whatever small bits had melted in the inside of it, under braking. Um, I wondered if it was, it was, you know, the, the lock-up was perhaps the effect of it breaking and not the cause. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't argue with that. I don't know enough about the tech side of things to to make a claim either way, to be honest, but I wouldn't have expected the mistake to come without a problem, I guess. So it looked as, to me, it looked as if the problem was already apparent before that. Okay, in what way? What, what did you? Uh, did, did you not? I'm sure there was a time. There was timings like the, he was slower before that issue. I'm sure of it. I remember noticing it because obviously I was following his times quite closely, and I'm sure I'm sure he was slower a lot before then as well. I might be wrong. Like maybe just getting my my lap numbers confused in my head, but I was I could have swore I seen like oh he's 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 lost the. A few seconds or whatever, a few a tenth or a few, a few um, an above normal amount of time to have been lost. But I might I might be wrong. I, I, I don't know. It could be me remembering it differently. I I, I thought the mm-hmm. when they brought up the fact that he'd lost a chunk of time, I thought that was um, on the lap that he had the problem, and, and we got the replay, and it looked like he'd just locked his brakes. You know, he'd gone in gone in too deep in the corner and gone off. Um, I, I I don't know. It might have been if you if you spotted that. Well done. Um, I must have been distracted by something else. Um, just, you, know, you know how when it comes up at the bottom, there's orange and then there's green for if you're oh, faster or slower. And I could have, I just seem to remember seeing a lap beforehand where Nico was considerably slower. But it might have been the same lap, and I might just be a bit a bit confused as well. But yeah, I'm sure either way, <laughs> it doesn't really matter whether it was that lap or the next lap. He was slow, and that was it. He was never going to get any faster. 
for about maybe a lap or two, I was like, oh, maybe they can recover this. This should be okay. They'll be able to reset it. And no, just wasn't happening, was it? It was never going to recover. No. Unfortunately. Uh, what it did lead to was some very interesting messages, uh, radio messages from Lewis Hamilton near the end of end of the race. I've uh, never really um, heard a driver say, please don't turn my car up, guys. So, <laughs> no. Very, very, brilliant. very, very different from Lewis there. Um, Less power. <laughs> yes, let me go slower. Uh, but that was the, that, that was the story of the 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 second half of well, yeah, the second half of the the Grand Prix really was um, waiting to see whether Lewis possibly developed the same Gremlins um, and him sort of managing the car at a pace that was going to keep him ahead. It was. It was interesting, wasn't it, that during the middle of the race he said, um, I'm not interested in racing Felipe. Um, seeming to think that he might well have been thinking he would end up behind Massa uh, well before the end. Um, I'm not quite sure how that didn't really um, materialise. Because seemed, it, it seemed almost like it was a foregone conclusion then. Um what was that Lewis would end up behind Felipe? Yeah, that F- Felipe was going to be w- well over the back of him well before the end of the race. Um, I think um, it looked that way for a time being, but I think I think then the end, the Mercedes just had enough pace. I mean, Felipe did a good strategy. He, did his, he went really long, came out and did the soft tires, which in paper should have should have meant he was all over the back of him. But I just think even with the power turned down on the Merck. They still, it looked they had so much, they have so much speed in hand all season that as soon as Nico was out of the points, I don't think Lewis was ever going to be in any real danger from Felipe. Maybe if Nico had been um, in the in the top five, Lewis would have been even more cautious, and Felipe would have would have gotten there. But with Nico where he was, I don't think there was any danger of Lewis. Stepping off that much, the Mercedes wanted to break the record for most Grand Prix wins in a season, so they were always going to go for that. Also, that was a bit of a pointless record to break when you're talking about a season with pretty much the most number of Grand Prix that there's yeah. ever been in it. <laughs> Can't argue with that point at all. Uh, yeah. But you know, <laughs> I, I think I read somewhere after the race that uh, Felipe might, might also have had a bit of a battery issue himself in I, the last really? in the yeah. last few laps, which meant that he couldn't race flat out anyway so because he, he got up to about a second a lap faster than Lewis and then seemed to drop back to about half a lap a second uh, and mm. that pretty much scuppered it because he was you know 10 seconds behind with 10 laps to go so he needed uh... I think he just may have left himself a little bit too much to do as well you know they've seen it a few times this season someone coming out with 10 laps to go on the soft tires and you think they're just going to cruise up to the back of them and pass them and then the car in front just seems to Keep on going that little bit more than you think, and and in the end they can't get by. Look at Nico Rosberg tried that one of the races in mid-season, couldn't get by. You, you end up you, as well at, you end up coming in that you, you want to stretch the stint on the middle sets as long as you can, but then you end up stretching it too far, and you don't have enough laps in to to get the job done, which is kind of what happened to Felipe. Which is a shame because it would it would have been amazing to see Massa win the race and Lewis win the world title. I was like, just going to say that. A sensational little piece of storytelling there. It would, be, it would have been really, really nice. Um, no, there you go. Uh, so Valtteri Bottas brought his car home in third, um, some 28 seconds behind, it, it has to be said. But 
he had a particularly horrendous start. Yeah, it pretty went, bad. <laughs> ended up in something like seventh or eighth, I think, after after the line. Just got swallowed by the pack completely and utterly. Um, probably had the most eventful race out of everybody. Had to do the most overtaking. Um, but as the Williams has kind of been all season, really, they didn't. They made quite quite quick and easy work um, out of most people. I think the I think the only person that gave him any troubles was it was Jensen in the in in the McLaren. The only person that he didn't get by almost straight away. They're so slippery in a straight line that Williams that no matter what, they're always going to be tough to pass. And then if they've got them coming behind you, they're always going to be tough to keep behind. Yeah, it's kind of like the complete polar opposite of the Red Bull in previous seasons, mm. where that like they might not necessarily have the strongest race pace over the the, the long distance, but if you've got one of them charging up behind you, you're in trouble. <laughs> and Bottas is, <laughs> Bottas is particularly ballsy as well on the brakes and stuff. So he, he oh, suits, his, suits his style. And, you know, he, had, I was, he was the most fun guy to watch on the day on, on Sunday. He just that, that start put him right down, I think, to 10th. So he was he had to come right through the field. Good battles, but like you say, with Daniel Ricciardo and Jensen. Mm. Uh, speaking of the young Australian... Fourth place from excellent the pit lane. Job. Wow. What, what an excellent job that was, eh? Um it just kinda makes you think what have happened if they if they'd have started from like uh where do they qualify? Was it about um fifth and sixth. Fifth and sixth. Yeah, and imagine. You know. He would have surely he only finished eight sec uh, eight seconds behind Bottas. So he, you have to imagine they'd have been dicing it with the Williamses properly for second place. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he's really shown good. something, isn't it? It's, yeah, he's, it's he's really, really good. good. <laughs> no, <laughs> Andy. Uh, um, uh, I, yes, he's just so so impressed all season. I think it's been a bit of a season like that for a lot. There was a few people who sort of had second seasons, but Bottas as well, second seasons in good, in good cars really. And it's just been so mightily impressive from, from both of those guys, um, to, to show the level of maturity it takes to be able to, to rack up that number of points, uh, you know, out, out qualify your teammates, so easily um yeah, it's, it's not like he's gone into a, a team with an equal and just and outperformed him he's gone to a team against the four-time reigning world champion who is known to be the golden boy like the, the only thing that would come close to doing that is going into ferrari against alonso any other team you would be uh and more or less an equal whereas going in there it was made clear you know he was going in his second fiddle to to Vettel. I, I don't think there was any uh, when they turned up in Australia in March. Nobody expected it to be anything other than Danny Rick being Vettel's number two. No, it was it and, was going to be a season to to blood, to blood him. him. Yeah. Um. But but there was a clear lead driver there and a clear favoured driver. It always has been at Red Bull, and 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 he had just by by sheer class. Has, has literally ousted him from the team. <laughs> <laughs> so it would seem, yes. Um, I mean, it's, it's phenomenal, really. I mean, what can you say? 
there, there are there are literally no more superlatives to say. And the, the fact that he's a a cracking bloke on top of it just kind of rounds it all out, doesn't it? It's just really nice that he's very good and just a smiley, nice Aussie. It's just it's just the whole package, really, pretty much. Um, in the same way that Valtteri Bottas is a is a brilliantly dull finished driver who can drive ridiculously fast and pull off ridiculous overtaking moves it I wouldn't be quite the same uh, the, you know the other way around absolutely thing with <laughs> ricardo is he's always been quick and now he's just added a complete different level of ability to manage races and overtake and drag drag slower cars to a little bit further up than where they should be and he sounds really cool in the car doesn't he, he never seems sounds flustered or or any That's of those true. bits and pieces Yep, that's true. He's got that Jensen button of just, yeah, it's all good here. Couple of turn, couple of turns at the next pit stop, something we, like that. We'd like you to overtake this person um, in the next five laps, please, Daniel. All right then. <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant. Eh? <laughs> and he goes and does it. Uh, speaking of, you're segueing these really, really well. Fabulous, eh? <laughs> it's amazing. Um, Jensen Button in fifth again. What can you say? <sighs> Get that man a race seat. He needs a race seat. <laughs> he, you know, even putting aside any other bits and pieces, how can you ignore that? Really, I just—it's the points tally for me. Yeah, he's, it he's really shows. He's Magnussen two to one all season. So, and I don't think that's a sign of Magnussen being poor, particularly. But it's his first season in F one. You know, mm-hmm. let's give the guy a break. It. People were going, oh well, look at Perez. He really pushed button hard in the. It was like. Yeah, but Perez had been racing for like two or three seasons before <laughs> before he got into the McLaren and he'd been driving, driving in a Sauber that had um, afforded him nearly being able to win a race. Yeah, like, Magnussen hasn't good had good any race, of that experience in terms of in Formula One. So why are we expecting him to be Sebastian Vettel or Lewis Hamilton? People just can't always be the child prodigy. Do you know what I mean? Alonso wasn't a child prodigy. He didn't come into Formula One and magically win races at, you know, 12 years old. He was young, but he wasn't. Do you know what I mean? No, he took two seasons to win a... He did um, he did his year at Minardi, which kind of not really counting, I suppose. But then he did... It was two seasons in the Renault before he before he did anything, really. He was in there in 03 and 04. Then he got his first win in 04, and then won the world title in 05. So he's third season in a top team before he started to dominate. You know, exactly. It's, I just I think, it's, <laughs> since think about had... Paul Jensen Button. <laughs> it took him yeah. long enough to win a, win a race, let alone yeah. a world championship. So. It's because Lewis turned up in the McLaren in 07 and just started winning right away. And everybody now kind of expects these graduates from the junior formula to all just immediately turn up and start winning. And, just... and then you get Max Verstappen. <laughs> as far as I'm aware has, has crashed the last two cars he's been in <laughs> so there you go <laughs> they definitely can't all be so Jensen Button anyway uh, a storming race looked really really punchy really quick um, that great little battle with um, Alonso in the middle of the race always um, good to see them two going at it could be going at it in the same car next year as well so. again and you look at that and you look at two guys who similar similar machinery just going full at it, but never looking like they were going to touch or crash or, or any. There was there was going to be any BS between them. 
just raced really hard and really fair and with loads of respect. And I can't understand why you wouldn't want that in a in a team within a team. Do you know what I mean? Guys who just know not to take it that you know to not let it become Weber Vettel or can't help Nico but feel Ro- that Lewis can't help but feel that perhaps Jensen is may end up becoming the you know the scapegoat within McLaren for the bad form of the last three or four seasons. He's kind of been the one constant that hasn't changed over the last three or four years in McLaren, uh, and they still aren't performing. So I can't help but feel they might they might give him the bullet unfairly because of that. Uh, it, it's difficult. I mean, I, I can understand why McLaren are loath to put one of their young drivers out of a seat. Uh, it, mm-hmm. It's a difficult position to be in. Um, and I, can, I can also understand why they might look to go with a blend of experience and youth if they bring in, assumably that they are bringing in Fernando then. Then I can understand why they would say, "Okay, we've got a guy in his thirties and world champion, and we'll pair that with a kid." You know, it's like football up front, a big guy and a little guy two up front. You know, I can I can I can see the appeal in that because you think, "Okay, well, if even if the young guy makes a few mistakes, we've got a top top experienced guy to to carry the team." But then you could also make the argument for two experienced guys. As, as has been made. So, I, I still nobody seems to know what's going to happen. No. What do you think? Uh, what does your gut tell you? I think my gut says it'll be Alonzo Magnussen. I my really gut, don't want it to be that. My gut says that, and I, I would like to see Button keep his drive. Everybody's been saying it because everybody said, oh, well, Ron Dennis picks the two best drivers. And I, I think if he was going to do that, he'd have just done it. Yeah, I agree. I just can't it. see why he wouldn't. Unless there is some real random negotiation going on with Button and that Button's holding out for something that he's just not prepared to drop and Ron is just like, well, I'm not going to give him that because we're having to give this to Alonso. It's just, I don't know. seems very strange. The thing that got me was, was Ron's rather... Um, flagrant attempt to try and put people off by saying well who's to say it's between, between Kevin and two, Jensen yeah. might be a know, third or something might yeah. be Stoff- you know he said or oh, it might be somebody else and then Martin saying well what, you mean Stoffel Van Dorn and to be honest you, it, <laughs> <sighs> to be honest with you it absolutely <laughs> could be um, not yet though well not- Van Dorn will be I, in the car but second in GP2 first so. season as many wins as the uh, guy who came first and the guy who came third. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's hard to argue that that guy is, is <laughs> has clearly got as much talent as anybody else coming out of GP2. I'd rate him above Julian Palmer, who won it, and certainly above Felipe Nasa, who um, has managed to... He's snagged the drive, hasn't he? Is he driving uh, for Cyber next year? Is he driving or is he test driving? I can't... No, he's driving. Isn't... Oh, I can't remember. Now. He's driving for Cyber alongside... Ericsson, I think, because Van der Gaard missed out. Oh yeah, because he yeah, because Guido Gutierrez, Gutierrez has been sacked, and <laughs> Adrian Sutil has get the f out, Adrian, <laughs> please. So, so yeah, they went for Nazar and uh, and Marcus's money. Yeah, well, he's. Uh, I think Van Dorm is a a cut above just about anybody who raced in GP2 last season. Um, he's probably a cut above several of the guys racing in Formula <laughs> yes. One. 
<laughs> I can think of at least. I mean, if I'm if I include poor Max and in my Russia, I can think of at least three or four guys that he's easily already better than. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So, what? Uh, but I don't expect Van Dorn to get the McLaren no. job until at least a season or two. No. So. I think they they need to decide whether Kevin Magnussen is the real deal or not. Um, I guess the problem for, for for Kevin is that he's been brought up now. It, it's almost impossible for him to go back. Um, mm-hmm. What could he go and do whilst they tried out any other combinations? It's really, it probably really just you probably just have to test for McLaren. You would think. Well, Gary Paffett has left McLaren. <laughs> Gary there, Paffett. There is an opening. Um, like he could give him every Friday. Brief FP1, and then I know it's not great, and but it's one of those things as an apprentice, yeah. Sometimes you have to do that shit for a year before you yeah. end up being the top guy. Like, like Alonso, he did his time at me, did his one season at Minardi in 2001, and then he didn't drive the Renault until 2003 because he had a year off doing the uh, doing the testing and stuff. Yeah, right. it's not necessarily the worst thing in the world, but it's obviously not ideal. No, it's so much more difficult these days with the with the um, the the seat arrangements being so tight. It's just it just feels like a, a year off from the sport is the end of a career. It just I don't know it's been done recently with with Roman Grosjean, but it's still yeah. there was a lot of investment from Lotus there, so it kind of you could see that he was had a likelihood of coming back um, once mm-hmm. it was done. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, back to the race, 6th uh, and 7th were the two Force Indias of Hulkenberg and Perez um, doing what they seem to have done in the last few races, which is be slightly contra to everybody else and take advantage of other people having scruffy races and nicking a few points here and there. Um, yeah, comprehensively beat the Ferraris and a Red Bull and a McLaren, so must have done something right. I think the thing is, because they're so realistically they're they're so off pace compared to all of those cars all they have to do is just do something different and they stay out of everybody else's way they don't get caught in all the same battles and so they get they get the track at you know to to themselves at the points where they need it mm-hmm. whereas everybody else is doing the optimum strategy and tripping over themselves and and that's what happened to Vettel and Alonso Kimi and and Kevin realistically for the next few places is that they were just all swapping places back you know, one and forwards, and somebody would somebody would get on a good stint and get ahead, and then their tires would run out, or they'd have to pit, and then it would all change around, and everybody would have to start re-overtaking one another, and you lose so much more time that way um, than Hulkenberg and Perez, who just essentially ran their own race, um, and yeah. came in line of stern. So it's which you have to give them credit for, I suppose. Well, it's you know, if you if you know that you're not going to be racing people, then do your own race. It's, there's more than one way to skin a cat. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, so as we uh, as we mentioned, the the Force Indies in sixth and seventh coming coming in front of uh, Vettel, Alonso, uh, Raikkonen, and Magnussen to take us from uh, eighth to eleventh. Strange races for all of those, especially Vettel with with Ricardo getting up to fourth. He just kind of it's kind of surprising that he didn't do a bit more. I'm surprised he wasn't ahead of the Force Indies and and chasing with chasing down Jensen because um, there was a moment in the race where they were both in and around the same bit of tarmac but um, I don't know if he just chewed up his boots a bit too much went a bit too gung-ho to try and um... maybe Ricardo was just 
just too I good. Yeah, and Vettel's maybe a little bit mentally, you know, done. <laughs> Sod it. <laughs> it's probably a combination of Ricardo's being brilliant and Vettel being a bit sort of, nah. So, and. True. Uh, I, and I think that could almost be said about Alonso as well. I think there were moments in the race where he was having a good race. And then I, I think just near the end of it, he just went, you know what, I just, <laughs> just why am I, why? No, I'm just going to just gonna make sure I end up here. That's that's all good to me. Um that's the problem with being the last one of the season. You know, everybody was kind of just... It felt like the last Grand Prix of the season really a little did. bit. It really <laughs> did. Um, Kimmy in 10th, scoring the last points position. Uh, I think Kimmy's been in 10th since Albert Park. I was just going to say, it's not <laughs> It's not been a good season. and I. What can you see from next year, really? That's I the. Feel, I feel like we've been saying... It's going to turn around for Kimi eventually. Eventually, he's going to get this car. He's going to get this car in the next few weeks. And then, oh, wait, it's the end of the season, and he hasn't got it. Like, it's just at what point? Was it? it felt like it should have clicked, and it just hasn't. No. and He's going to be num- Is he going to just be, what, playing the second fiddle to Seb next year? Is that what the future holds for Kimi? One yeah. more season? It's One final of, payday? It's kind of crap, and, isn't it, really? If you're Kimi Raikkonen, former world champion... And the best you can get for is, you know, number two in another team. It's a bit... Yeah, I mean, uh, people might have said the same thing about Jensen to um, some extent when he joined McLaren, but I don't know, he did good in the McLaren. (laughs) He hasn't done very well in the Ferrari. It's a bit difficult to kind of compare the two as far as I can see anyway. It's, it's, It's one season. I don't know, we'll wait and see what happens next year. Uh, speaking of somebody who we probably won't see next year, uh, Jean-Eric Verne finished off the uh, Toro Rosso's fairly lacklustre season in 12th. I um, will see him. Can't think where on earth he could possibly go. No. Uh, and uh, as as much as he's given Mr. Fiat a bit of a run for his money in the latter half of the season, I still don't rate him particularly. I think he's a good driver. He's Adrian Tutil. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You can probably put him in a car and he'll probably do all right and... Blah. I mean, said that, he's, uh, he's outscored Fiat fairly easily this season. Fiat seems to have had a lot of, um, <laughs> should we say, moments. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is only so, fair yeah. given that he's about 12 in his first season of Formula 1. I think we'll, we'll give that. him a little bit of a break on that one. Um, but, yeah, but he's Vern, just looked more Vern exciting had, and, and yeah. more capable of doing stuff. Jeff always just seems... I feel like you could leave him in that car for the next 10 years and he'd, and he'd just be in the exact same position then as he is now. Yeah. He isn't going to improve. He I think he's... To, he probably isn't going to get any worse either. He's just there. That is his level, and unfortunately, that isn't really good enough. You know, not everybody can be Wolverine or Cyclops. Somebody has to be Jubilee, don't they? That's mm-hmm. that's, that's it. Um, Roman Grosjean in the Lotus in 13th. What do, we, what do we make of Roman Grosjean then? You know, in a team with Lotus last season, giving Kimmy some things to think about, showing a good turn of pace, showing some good racing. And is it... It's, it, it's got to be the car. <laughs> I mean, it is the car to, to so much of it. It can't not be, but... What happens if Lotus are really rubbish again next year, which is, you know, slightly less likely because they're getting the murk in the back of that car? For one thing, but 
where does it go from here for Roman? I think if he has one more bad season, that... where he's not going to get another drive beyond where he is, um, he will be good enough for the teams at the lower half of the table. And I guess, I guess that's something. I guess you're in Formula One if you're up for those kind of drives, but it can't be what you'd aspire to or what he he wants. He's still quite a young guy, really nice guy, and. Just again, doesn't seem to be going anywhere, but has at least shown that he has some talent to maybe do something. It's a difficult one because where does he go? It's like he can't. He, I think he tried to get out of the Lotus, and there was nobody. There's just no room for him to go. So you'd, you'd rather be in Formula One, driving a relatively dog of a car. At least that way you can beat your teammate and show you've got something, than not be in the sport. I suppose that's true. If you, if you come out the sport and go do like champ car or, oh, I swore, damn it, go out and do like um, world endurance or something like that, you never come back. I no, mean, ex- not if I you mean, do a different sport. It's just Kimi Raikkonen is the exception. Mm. And maybe Kubica would have been possibly if he hadn't messed up his hand. Yeah. So, I mean, look at guys like Davidson and. Yeah, well, uh, you go, you don't come back. So he's got no choice. His hands are tied, unfortunately. I don't think he wants to be there. He knows that car has been horrendous, but at least if he's there, he's in the frame. He can prove he can beat his teammate. If the car ever picks up, he can have good races. So it's a difficult one for Grosjean. Again, it's kind of like Kimi. It's one season. It's been a write-off of a year, but let's see what they come with next season. Yep. And if it's terrible next season, then... <laughs> and maybe we pray. <laughs> pray for Roman. Fourteenth <laughs> <laughs> uh, place was filled with the uh, ailing Mercedes of Nico Rosberg. This race, um, fair play to him, saying, "Let's just get it to the end. I'm not mm. gonna pull her because it must have been so easy. It m- it would have been so easy to pull the car into the garage, gone out through the back, gone into the motorhome." and opened a bottle of Jack Daniels and stayed there for the next two days until everybody had buggered off home and then, you know, crawl back to Monaco and just not speak to anybody for 108 days until you come back for for the start of next season. Um, and, for you know, when he went and found Lewis in the, in the winner's place at the top and uh, just... If he faked all of that, do you know what I mean? And didn't mean a single word of it, but did it just for PR. He's a stronger man than, you know, anybody's given him credit for because you can't swallow your pride that much. Um, <laughs> nobody can. You you can't sit there and publicly eat that much crow um, if you don't mean it, if, if you're not really there in spirit to congratulate Lewis and, and be happy for the team and all those bits and pieces. So I... I think all that's genuine. Um, And I think that should give people some cause to thought about, you know, how much they assume that he cheated through every single part of the season and um, is a terrible person and is some sort of boogeyman for the season. (laughs) Yeah. I've never doubted that Nico would would do the right thing uh, should Lewis go in and win the race. 
But then I'm not I'm not someone who thinks that he's been <laughs> the uh, the son of the devil for the whole season. I think I've I don't know. <laughs> it's difficult. Do you think he's mentally strong enough to sort of wipe himself down and then come back next year? Yeah, I do. I think he's going to have a terrible, not terrible, terrible is the wrong word. I think he's going to have a an extremely difficult time of it next season, but not through any uh, mental difficulties based on this season. I think he's going to have a difficult time of it because Lewis is very, very, very good. Uh, and and that's been proven this season. Nico's had a good season. Lewis has had a slight, has had a better one. So, and it's going to be extremely, extremely difficult to to, to reverse that next season. But I don't think. Uh, I think I think if anything, he'll be m- more mentally up for it because of the disappointment. I think I might let a fire under him. Do you think Lewis becomes the golden boy of Mercedes now, sort of slightly replacing Nico, and that? Maybe there will be a uh, more of a, an emphasis to favouring Lewis and retaining his championship, and you know, doing the sort of dominant thing that Red Bull have done, which has brought them. I would expect if it's if it's close the way it has been close this season, I would think not. If Lewis goes and dominates maybe the first two or three races, say he wins the first three and and Nico is is further back, then then maybe then. But I think in um, Albert Park certainly will will have all of the Mercedes PR being out saying just because Lewis won, Nico's they're both equals still. We let them race last season, and we're going to do the same this season. I fully expect to hear that line at least once. <laughs> will it be true though? <laughs> I think it just depends on results. So you can you can't predict what's going to happen in five or six races down the line on the opening day of the season. If Lewis, if Nico doesn't finish or has a bad couple of first races and Lewis wins them, then obviously you're going to start looking towards Lewis. But you don't know what could happen if Nico, Nico something like this could happen, like happened this season. Nico could win the first race and Lewis could not finish, and then it changes everything race to race. So until we get to the last third of the season, I don't expect to see anything major between them. No. Uh, so rounding out uh, the finishing positions, Esteban Gutierrez finishes 15th in what will probably be his last race for Sauber. In fact, it is his last race for Sauber. Uh, Adrian Siddle finishes 16th <laughs> in his last race for Sauber. The <laughs> thing um, is, when they did the grid the, at the start, just running through who, the, the grid at the start, <laughs> Brundle was just like, yep, they're they're both fired. <laughs> like, you know, mentioned them both. Like, yeah, these two are both out of a job. Is anybody surprised? I don't think so. No, not really. Um, Will Stevens uh, actually finishes last, technically, although finishes te- uh, ahead of three people due to the fact that they didn't finish the race. Um, and has been doing all the testing for Catrum this weekend. So wonders are if he may get a seat next season and how much he's actually paying for it. I don't know anything about him. <laughs> I don't know anything about him. I had no idea who he was before he came in. Um, he just about managed to scrape his super license to uh, to to get on. So one can only assume he comes with a large bit of cash. Yes, I'm gobsmacked at Caterham or even there. To be honest, I was I didn't I didn't expect that. I didn't expect them to be able to get to Abu Dhabi. So fair play for them for that. 
whether they're here in, uh, in March is another question that needs to be answered. But Yeah. I, I think uh, the thing is, is that um, in having done Abu Dhabi, they are actually, ironically, in a much better position than Marussia were by missing out and finishing ninth. Um, although they're still... I just don't know how that's working because as far as I was aware, you were allowed to miss... Uh, you could only miss... Um, if you missed three races, you got kicked out of the championship. And they have. Unless somehow Bernie's special dispensation for Austin and Brazil negates that fact. But that's that, as far as I'm aware, was the rules. So Caterham have done two, so they are within well, their yeah. allocation yeah. Of, of missed races. Uh, but Mauricio aren't. Um, and I wonder if the fact that Caterham were able to get crowdfunded also, again, makes them a slightly more attractive proposition to anybody buying because they can go, well, at least it's a team that people care enough about to, you know, chuck the money at. Although, did you did you look on their Kickstarter thing? You can no. You could buy some pretty cool stuff, to be fair. What, have uh, you donated? Yeah. Do you, what was it? Have you ever looked on a Kickstarter? I know that you can do... If you donate more, you get a better thing, basically. Yeah. So they had, like, full race suits. But from... Oh, really? Like, you could get Yano Trudy's race suit or Heike Kovalainen's race huh. suit and bits and pieces for um, five or six hundred quid. Fair that enough, was yeah. kind of cool. I mean, if, so I, if I had that in, kind of cash yeah. like lying about or I was that much of a fan of either of those drivers, I'd, be like, I'd have been all over that. So, but you could get things like you could get um, nuts and bolts from the car, or bits of suspension arm, and and random bits and pieces. So they obviously looked at it and just like literally scraped at everything they could from the garage and gone right, sort of just put it all on and get, you know, if you donate fiver, get a get a screw from from the head gasket. At or least you're getting like something from donating, now, aren't you? Like you could, it's like. No, you're helping out a team stay on the grid, and also you're getting something pretty cool at the end of it as well. So, I can see why people donated. Then I didn't realise you would, you would get a prize essentially for donating. I yeah. don't know that. I may have donated. <laughs> yeah, there was some quite nice. So they did a load of t-shirts and stuff like that with that whole hashtag refuel Catrum thing. I think they, you know, some people thought, oh, it's a real sad state of affairs that this is what Formula One has come to. But in a way, I was quite buoyed by the fact that Formula One fans cared enough to put their hands in their pockets to keep a team going, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I think that's, that's at least I one of the few positive things. Well, no, I, and I wouldn't either. Be, well, unless it was McLaren, but, you know. I don't really... I'm not a very charitable person. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, um, fair play to the people that did it, you know. Um, so... Kabui Kobayashi uh, retired. I can't remember why. <laughs> he probably doesn't know either. No, <laughs> probably didn't tell him. Um, the best retirement was uh, was the next one. Pastor uh, Madonado, whose engine exploded uh, at the back. It was um, just such a fitting way for him to retire from the final Grand Prix of the season. It was just perfect. It was. It was that. <laughs> Then followed by the shot of the Lotus carriage <laughs> where everybody was falling on their ass laughing, I think, and just... <laughs> do you not get the feeling that maybe Pastor Nardo might possibly be the not most liked driver in his own carriage? <laughs> That's the people just, just sat there. 
And it was it's then like, followed up by um, the people who deserve the biggest award in F1, which is the people who run Lotus's um, Twitter account, who have the best sense of humor of anybody in Formula One. It they is gold. It is so absolutely good. happy to ridicule themselves. Um, and <laughs> See the tweet about Grosjean getting an eight day place penalty. <laughs> I don't know why, but I just could not stop laughing at that. It was so funny. <laughs> it was the wonderful still of Pastor Maldonado's car on fire. <laughs> and then it was as a, we uh, proudly recommend our, our sponsors burn at burn. <laughs> and I was just like, Oh, you geniuses. You're a genius. Uh, dear. And uh, good. all the lines about racing goats and stuff. Oh, that was to do with the, um, does Roman Grosjean have any more penalties? <laughs> By the way, uh, we've implemented the secret one for pasta. <laughs> <laughs> that was brilliant. <laughs> oh, it was good. They, they, you had to, they had to laugh at themselves this season. If they didn't laugh at themselves, I think they would have killed themselves. Yeah. <laughs> Um, rounding off uh, everyone was uh, Danny Kvyat who uh, just stopped didn't he his engine just stopped uh, just a technical fault I think but I didn't really figure out what exactly it was no wheeled off into the middle of the track somewhere which looks like it's on track yeah because there's that can... much stupid runoff and <laughs> little side sections and it really looked like there were marshals on the track, and I was like, nobody's waving double-weighed yellows. This is ridiculous. And then you suddenly realise that all the cars were actually going past about 25 yards away behind a big Armco barrier. And it was just like, mm -hmm. oh, oh yeah, he's not on track at all, is he? Okay, never mind. Season, this, again, we've moaned about it already, but that Abu Dhabi circuit just does my head in. <laughs> I don't like that they race at that time of day either. No? Uh, it just bugs me. <laughs> I like <laughs> I like races to go off at one o'clock local time. <laughs> anyway, I like I quite like getting up and watching a race in the morning. You know, when it's that time of year. Mm. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes. I like cool. it on a Sunday morning because then I can watch the football after the Formula One and not miss anything. <laughs> nice. Uh, so yes. for the for the that last time this season, who was your star of the race? I'm loath to give it to Lewis, so Danny Rick's getting it. <laughs> Danny Ricardo for his stellar drive from the pit lane, which we never really covered why they were in the pit lane, by the way. I wanted to sure. cover that just kind of afterwards because there uh, was some sure interesting points about that. it. But, um, uh, Danny Ricardo for his excellent drive from the pit lane, not only just getting the Red Bull to where he finished, but comprehensively beating his teammate who was on the same... Yep, same literally the same strategy. <laughs> it so, couldn't have been more identical. Okay, fair enough to Lewis for winning the race and Felipe Massa drove an excellent race as well and it was bitterly unlucky maybe not to to perhaps sneak a win I don't think he ever really had the pace but he may have been able to sneak one but probably Daniel Ricciardo overall So, Yeah, I think I'll go over to, to Danny Rick as well maybe a little um, mention for Bottas and Button just, um, you know, both doing very well in their cars and, and having good punchy fights All of the top five had a had a pretty good day, and then there, even the Force Indias had a pretty good day. So, but like you could, there's this positives for for all for all of the top five or six. Yeah, absolutely. Um, retard of the race. Uh, that's a little bit more difficult. Nobody really did any stupid crashes or anything, did we? I mean, you got one. You got an obvious one. Um, 
No. Okay. Then we just give it to Maldonado. Let's just give it to Pastor Maldonado. He's, <laughs> he's been the recipient of most of them this season, so he might as well have this one for exploding his car. Pressing the wrong button on his steering wheel. The eject engine through exhaust button. Couldn't really think of anything major. There wasn't really much incidents. Like, uh, there was one at the start. Did Magnuson get one right at the start? Was it Magnuson? For pushing somebody off the track. I oh, know it was Hulkenberg. It was a Hulkenberg. Hulkenberg got a penalty. That oh, that was something I was going to mention, and that was a really weird penalty um, because he did push him off the road, but it wasn't any worse than half the other stuff that um, it, you know other people have gotten away with. But the weirdest thing was that Adrian Suttle didn't get a penalty for literally running into Kevin Magnussen. That was right at the start. Did you, did you see that right at the start? Yeah. Yeah, that's why I thought it was Magnuson that had the penalty. I was just getting. getting <laughs> Did you, up. Yeah. To be fair, it would have been a good shot. He seems to have been in the recipient of some very harsh <laughs> yeah, penalties this true. season. <laughs> but yeah, Although, Pastor uh, Maldonado uh, still ends up with the most penalties out of anybody for excellent. the second season running. Woo! <laughs> well done, Pastor. No, but the thing is, with um, that first, that was the first lap, wasn't it? So you have to give, I think you have to give a little bit of leeway on the first lap. These cars are travelling at such a speed, so close together that, you know, sometimes little bumps in that are going to happen. Hmm. I, I'd rather thought that uh, Suto pretty much turned to the left and just clattered into oh, him. I was, I was talking about the Hulkenberg one. The Hulkenberg one, I, yeah, yeah, I wasn't... I wouldn't have been fussed if that hadn't actually been... So, I mean, I don't think I would have given him the penalty for that. No. But, as for Suto, well... I guess his penalty is that he won't be driving a Formula One car next season. So maybe it's like the last day of school. <laughs> There's no rules. <laughs> it's the last race of the season. Just do what, what does you it want. matter? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, excellent. Um, so that was Formula One 2014. Give me a. Um, we're going to do a proper wrap-up show. You know, season detailing. Hopefully, we're going to get maybe a couple of other uh, podcasters involved if I can cajole them into answering some questions for us um so we won't spend too much time talking about the season just gone but give me a rating out of 10 for the whole season yeah whole season um 7 7 i'm gonna go with 7 <laughs> 7 7 <laughs> <laughs> i was seven. gonna say 7.5 half, but i'd only do half points so then i was gonna say 8 but i don't think it deserved an 8 so i'm gonna say 7 <laughs> Yeah, I must final have answer, and uh, final answer, Chris Tarrant, seven. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think it started off very good because everybody's like, "Oh my god, it's all different! Look at these Mercedes; it's not Red Bulls and stuff like that." And they and were then, racing, weren't they? You had Bahrain yeah. and stuff like that, where it was. And then it kind of petered a little bit towards the end. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna actually go for a six. I, was low I, I got really, I got really disillusioned with F1 in general around the time of Spa. It mm -hmm. has to be said, um, just because you know, if you're an F1 fan and you you have the websites that you go to and you check all the news, and most of the places have comment sections for people to write what they think, <laughs> and reading those comment sections pretty much made me lose the will to live. <laughs> don't don't read them. <laughs> I can't help it. I do the same if I go and read articles on Sky News. I know I should never look in the comment <laughs> section because it's comments. just full of 
people I think are complete idiots. But I still do, and I still get really, really irritated by it. So, and, and it just never got away from that. It, it, it stopped. There stopped being good racing, and it all started to be about inter-team politics. And I just... I can't be arsed with it either. I, 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 that's not interesting to me. Do you know what I mean? It's only interesting to me if the on-track action mirrors the tension in the team in a mm -hmm. sort of prost scenery kind of way. That That's interesting. It isn't if people are getting shouted at and then everybody's too scared to drive properly for the rest of the season. What, what's the point? The, the races are dull enough half the time without proper fighting going on, so. I agree. And the, uh, the novelty of... The final lap podcast. ...the quick car wore off. <laughs> very, very, very quickly. So it's you when you knew that nobody else was going to be able to catch them up in season. Mm -hmm. That's what I think. Uh, I mean, after two or three races, you're like, right, so this is it. This is Mercedes for the whole year. Nobody was ever going to challenge them. It was a two-horse race right from the word go. That's why I said to someone on Twitter last week, I don't care whether it's Renault, uh, Honda, or Ferrari, just as long as some one of the three brings it next year so we have at least two top teams. You know, they don't all need to get it right. Just one of them get it right, please. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, that's... Ideally, they all get it right, but... Yeah, in preference, it would it would be that way, wouldn't it? But, um, yeah, we, we've had we've had F1 dominated too much by one team getting things right and that's never fun uh, the the best times were the times when people would swap advantages and you could never be 100% sure and it was swapping between McLaren and Ferrari and then you'd still have teams like um uh oh who am i thinking of um like BMW mm. when they you know they got their cars going well um oh who's it you know truly drove for Renault. No. The red and white cars. Toyota. 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 Blimey. Sorry. That came from <laughs> a very, very long way back in my brain to come to the front of it there. Um, and, you know, Toyota came up with a car that was was very quick as well. And it just spiced things up. You know, when you, you have to have, you know, these variables in there. Uh, otherwise, yeah, it's it's just bingo, isn't it? It's just picking numbers from a two book. <laughs> we have two numbers in a thing. Which random ball do you pull out first? There is your winner of the race, hurrah! I did get to, it did start to feel like that towards towards the end. The fact that I was supporting Nico, you know, kind of kept me going. <laughs> the last few races, you know, still still had a dog in the fight sort of thing, so I still had something to get up for and cheer. But I, I definitely, if I hadn't, you know, been as invested as I perhaps was in the title fight, then. I'm not quite sure how I would have been bored, put it that way, probably. And the yeah. same with that, I was bored when Vettel was winning everything. Yep. And the same when Schumacher was winning everything. It's still it's still the same thing. It's still the same problem. So It's always, it's always been difficult. You know, for, <laughs> that's, there's always going to be a team that does that. Like, like you say, if it was Schumacher, then it was Vettel, then it was Mercedes this year. You get maybe two or three seasons of domination for every one season of close racing. There's always going to be a team that that hits the jackpot on a certain bit of technology. Indeed. Well, that's the season just gone. Uh, so let's just keep on going with um, 
what we found in the Formula One news. So we, we kind of touched on it before, I guess. Um, McLaren still haven't announced their driver lineup. Um, we are all just waiting for Alonso to be confirmed. Um, do we not find that weird in and of itself? If we're sure Alonso has signed and it's just about who partners him, why haven't they just announced that Alonso is part of the team? I have no idea. <laughs> I can't get my head. I don't, they've said December 1st. They'll have an announcement. They so. did, and then Ron Dennis said that he had to wait for uh, there was some kind of meeting going on, which happens in the first week of December. So I don't see how they're going to have an announcement for the 1st of December if they've not even had this meeting yet. I have no idea. To be honest, I'm, at this point, I'm just waiting on McLaren. I, I can't get... I don't know what... I don't know what's going on in their, in their minds. It's been that many different theories and conspiracies as to why they haven't announced it that it's all kind of just a mess. As a lot like we had Alonso's going to do this, Alonso's going to do that, or he's negotiating to go do world endurance halfway through the season and stuff like that. It's like I can no longer read the rumors. <laughs> I've just blown a fuse. I'm just waiting, waiting to find out. <laughs> no. Um... I think we probably covered most of what we thought was going to happen. Is there any, is there anything you can think that would be unlikely to happen? Do you think Alonso could not go to McLaren? Is that even a possibility? The final lap podcast. I, don't know. I, I would say no. I think the only reason I say no, I say he's definitely going to McLaren, based solely on the fact that. Everybody who I would believe in Formula One says he's going to McLaren. Brundle, Ted Kravitz, these guys are all saying he's going to McLaren. It's done. Trust us, guys. Alonso's going to McLaren. So you have to assume that that's right. I, I, I've only I'm, I've only got their word to go on, and those guys are generally on the pulse. They're, 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 like they all don't, and the, and the same goes for they all believe that Jensen's out of a drive. So. That's kind of what makes me lean towards thinking that, that we've seen the last of Jensen. But again, this is just coming from from the alleged in the nose in the media. So maybe the in the nose aren't in the know. Who well, knows? Again, like I say, it's just a mess now. It's, it's been rumbling on for so long. I mean, what, what Grand Prix was it that we, we announced that Vettel was going to Ferrari? That was a good few, a good couple of months ago now, wasn't it? No, it wasn't. No, was it Austin? No. Is it as long as that? I thought it was before then. Well, maybe so, yeah. it was. I think it was I maybe. Maybe it was actually. Was it? Um, was it Russia? Was it even Japan? Maybe. No, it was Japan, wasn't it? Yes. It was in October. It was the start of October? Yeah, it would be about that then, actually, wouldn't it? Fourth of October. Yeah, so Japan. So seven or eight weeks almost. Hmm. And it's just rumbled on every week we do this show and every week we say, what's going on at McLaren? And it's just rumbled and rumbled and rumbled and still we don't have an answer. It's just... I see people saying maybe McLaren are speaking to Lewis Hamilton, but 
they can't really be speaking to Lewis Hamilton, can they? Not, not seriously. No, he's staying at Mercedes. I think that's just McLaren fans trying to get their hopes up. I mean, I, I'm not that fussed, if I'm completely honest. I'm not, you know, uh, if he came back, I'd be happy as a McLaren fan. But I don't know. I just, I wouldn't be wetting my pants about it. I'm more excited about Alonso going. I think Alonso didn't get a fair crack at the whip. And I'd really like to see what he can do in a, you know, in a McLaren. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. Sort of, we've been there and done that with Lewis. We've got our championship with him. Let's, let's move on. You know, not everybody is, not everybody is center in a, in a McLaren winning multiple championships. Sometimes you've just got to have a, a James Hunt who comes in and <laughs> wins you one championship and buggers off again. <laughs> I don't, I don't think there's any realistic chance. Not after Lewis winning the title. No, I mean that pretty much since his. Had Rosberg but... won the championship, maybe. Had Rosberg won the championship in acrimonious circumstances, maybe even more so. But with Lewis winning the the uh, the title, I think he's he's. He's staying there, and he's got a contract for next year. So, to get him to go to McLaren next year would be expensive. Yeah, it'd be almost impossible. Mercedes aren't going to want to just let the world champion walk out the door without putting up a fight. He has a signed deal with Mercedes from 2015. So, and just everything Hamilton seems to have been saying is that the lifestyle he's afforded by Mercedes not requiring him to do the same kind of promo duties that mm. um, McLaren have to have in their drivers because they need to make as much money from uh, sponsorship and advertising as they possibly can. And Mercedes obviously don't because they can bankroll their cars as <laughs> much <laughs> as they want. Um, uh, it seems to me that that's what actually he almost cares about more than being paid a, a bucket load of cash. It's the Well, that's what he went for in the first place. Didn't, wasn't that? I he mean, said it he was went. one of the major factors, wasn't it, that mm-hmm. he wouldn't be on call for photo shoots and interviews and stuff like that in between yep. all of the races. He could go and live his life. And, you know, you can blame him, really, to be fair. No, I, think I, if I, was, I know for a fact if I was an F1 driver, I'd be like Kimi Raikkonen. I wouldn't want to see or speak to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, would, that's the way to do I'd, it. I'd be, I'd be a football manager sending their assistant to do the press conferences and stuff like <laughs> not interested in that kind of thing so so yeah I absolutely understand why Lewis would do that and then you know just icing on the cake oh we've actually gave you a brilliant car as well you know <laughs> so he's, Lewis has absolutely no reason to go back to McLaren the guy who do, who will go to McLaren it is going to be Fernando Alonso it is it's going like, to be isn't it just yeah. is I think it just is going to be Button or Magnussen and I think it's Magnussen uh King Juan Carlos has apparently uh, said that Alonso is going to McLaren. So, uh, and <laughs> Alonso was quoted saying, "Well, if the king says it, so it, it has to be true. <laughs> Got to do what the king says." It's like, it's like the biggest open secret in the world. Like, it's just... <laughs> um, in other news, news that Sean might be more interested about, possibly, um, possibly the new Nigel Clough of um, Formula One. Marco Mattiacci is already out of the Ferrari. Um, Can't say I'm um, overly heartbroken to see the back of him. No. Replaced by Mr. Arriva Bene, which um, roughly translated means here comes good. So (laughs) Let's hope so. (laughs) You can't say fairer than that, can you, really? I mean, I don't think it'll make that much of a difference. 
truthfully. They're just spokespeople, these guys. They're just figureheads. They don't they I don't think they don't have anything. They're not gonna change anything from the tech side of it. They're Do you gonna, think um Mr. Braun might possibly be on I his way a, back? What was the rumour I heard? I heard I've heard two Braun rumours this week. One of them was to Ferrari in the in the near future, which I would say is as likely. It's not unlikely. He's had a long and checkered history there. So the other one I heard was something about Audi and Braun, I'm sure. Which I think came from Eddie Jordan. And that's been a rumour that's been floating about, isn't it, that Audi are considering you know, given that the you know the success that Mercedes have had that they would um backed by um VW as they obviously are an even bigger company than Mercedes by quite a long way um that yeah that they could want in on formula 1 which would be great um i'd like to see another complete manufacturer coming in and preferably somebody who'd be happy to do their own engines as well um Would yeah, it's another good challenge for Ross, isn't it, to take a a that new was, team and yeah and yeah. run with it. That came from Eddie Jordan, who's <laughs> he's so spot on about ah, stuff. He, know, like, he does. He, he... Have you heard a ridiculous rumor? Did Eddie Jordan say <laughs> it? it is true? <laughs> I mean, we'll wait and see. But I'd take Braun back at Ferrari quite happily. Um, oh, no, of course you would. Like I say, this, these guys, these, this Aravabeni and Marco Mattiacci and Dimicali to an extent, they're just kind of spokespeople. Well, I think D- D- Dimicali came from more of a racing background. He was, he's brought, brought up through the team, wasn't he? He's been mm. in and around the team for a very long time. Whereas... Started off as like communications guy or something, though, I think. So it was, it was always to do with PR. Well, it was managing, wasn't it? I think that was that's the thing. But at least he was in and around the racing team, whereas Matty actually just came over from Fiat. Mm-hmm. And Arriva Benny is, I think, exactly the same. Um, a, a random part of the the car people and not um, not a race person. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Just another short stopgap. They need to get Matty actually out, put somebody else in for testing and then see Good what nice. they can do. See whether they can get uh, Christian Horner from Red Bull, maybe, now that Seb's left. Now that would be funny, wouldn't it? If, if Horner went to Ferrari. I don't know how I would feel about that. Just to reunite Seb and, Seb and Christian again. They could work, work in relationship. I'd only bring Horner in if he could convince Adrian to come with him. <laughs> I don't think I'd want one without the other. That was something we were talking about before, wasn't it? Because obviously... Um, there was that talk in season that uh, Ferrari were trying to tap up Adrian Newey. And uh, I was just thinking, surely, surely if you were Ferrari, you'd, you'd let him design a road car, wouldn't you? You'd just let him. If that's what he wanted. <laughs> if he wants to come in and do the F1 car and the road car, then, then let him, <laughs> basically. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Uh... What else is in the news? There's something else I wanted to talk about. Never really covered Red Bull's um, indiscretion. Oh, yes, yes. Um, so I'm sure everybody's aware now that uh, Red Bull were disqualified from qualifying. 
for an illegal front wing. Um, they cried in the press that they were being picked on, which I thought was very funny. Um, <laughs> especially when it turned out that uh, Adam Cooper pointed out that at least four other teams had had front winning flex tests done at the weekend. So they very definitely weren't being picked on at all. Um, Greg Scarborough, who, if you don't follow him on Twitter, you absolutely should if you're interested in any of the technical side of F1. It's some great insights. I really, really like his Twitter stuff. It's really geeky, but really, really interesting. Um, and he retweeted um, some footage from sort of behind the front wing of the Williams showing how the inside of the end plates, um, you know, on the front wings, they've got the inner end plates that seem to be attached on the outside, but not on the inside. So they've got the steep stepped bit, but the in the inside, the bit that's closest to the nose doesn't actually have an upright attachment. They're only attached on one side. Right. <laughs> Can you, are you following me? I mean, to an extent, but I'd need to see a picture. Like. Okay. But he was just pointing out, he was just showing that how under the load, the gaps between those were getting smaller. On so the, the Red Bull wing or the Williams? No, on the, on the Williams. Right, okay. Um, and I think people, you know, that was an attempt to show that the, there is some flexing that goes on in those bits of parts. What's but his a, name? Uh, Craig Scarborough. Craig. Scarbs F1, I think. At Scarbs F1, I think, is his Twitter handle. Okay. Um... But from the reports I read, it's that the um, there's a big difference between that and what Red Bull had, which was a hidden leaf spring in the actual um, in the actual wing that is designed to flex. Like it's one thing to say that there's movement in the front wing, as opposed to this is designed to physically move down when put under the the G-force load of going at speed. Uh, so that was pretty much, pretty much why they got excluded. Um, yeah, they were clearly at it, weren't they? <laughs> well, it just kind of makes you wonder what kind of other stuff goes on that people just never find out about. Who knows what they could? I mean, how, I wonder how long they've been. Hmm. How, how long do you reckon that's been there? Exactly, exactly. And <laughs> I thought more importantly, who brought it to the attention of the FIA? A departing Sebastian Vettel, uh, a. a Mr. Probmaru at McLaren, they subtly let say to Charlie, "You know what you should really look at." <laughs> somebody must have had. Somebody must have mentioned it. Yeah, oh. I, it would surprise me that oh, they just decided to just have check it. Yeah, have a have a random front wing test on the last on the last day of the season seems a bit pointless, really. It, I mean, in fact, it was almost pointless to penalise them for it. Really, it's like like it's not going to make any difference to anybody's season now. <laughs> why why bother? I'm having a look at that. Um, just having a look at that that, that shot now. The, the Williams, uh, the Williams front wing. I see. I see what you mean. Yeah. It just because it's not attached to a structure, mm -hmm. it, it therefore bends slightly when it's going through the thing. I it's just going, wonder if that's yeah, air is going to do that at that speed, isn't it? That's so. what I would have thought. I just wonder if that kind of it, it, it's one of those things that works within the doesn't work within the spirit of the law. Do you know what I mean? But in the technical regulations, it doesn't because it's not designed to flex. It's just, that's just what happens. A bit like how you see the front wing, uh, the back wing um, 
moving side to side and stuff, but that's supposed to be fixed as well, isn't it? That's supposed to not move mm -hmm. at all. But there's flex in that just because of the way that they're built and attached to the cars. So that, as opposed to a device designed to do that, I guess is the, the difference between what gets you put to the back of the grid and what doesn't. Yeah, like you say, that Red Bull one was clearly... The fact that it was kind of hidden almost suggests that they, they knew mm. that they shouldn't be doing it. That's, that's pretty <laughs> much, yeah. I guess that probably doesn't help either, does it, really? So it's like Red Bull in Controversy Shocker, eh? We should really be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> that it wouldn't be the first time that they've been accused of having dodgy wings. So Red Bull doesn't give you wings. <laughs> you no, that's that's have. the best thing about it. The fact that it is it is wings that they're that are involved in. Uh, so let's have a look at um, just to finish off. Let's have a quick look at uh, who's doing the uh, testing for the next couple of days. Uh, yeah. Rebel had uh, Carlos Sainz Jr. running today, and tomorrow will be Daniel Ricciardo. Uh, Mercedes had Nico Rosberg must really be loving driving around in a car that's not broken at Abu Dhabi for a day. Must have really put him in a really good mood. Uh, with Pascal Verline. Verline? Verline? Verline, yeah. Seems um, about right. On Wednesday. I've never heard of him before. I don't know where he's from or what he's doing. Um, By a name like that, I would assume German, but... Well, it could, well, it could be, but it could be one of those. Uh, I always, I looked at it and thought maybe South American. Nah, he's definitely German. Is he? Oh, okay, yeah. fair it is. Only um, 20, 20 years old. All right, okay, fair enough. Uh, Ferrari rather randomly have got two people per day, so it's still two people, but just not on one day or another. Uh, Rafael Marcello or Marcello possibly, uh, and Kimi will be sharing testing duties, obviously, uh, as Seb has not been released by Red Bull. <laughs> I always love those minor petty things, isn't it? It's yep. just like you're no longer driving for us, but you can't drive for them either. Like for goodness sake, boys. Turned up at the garage though. Yes. Said hello. Very good. Wave. As you would. It was it was it was exciting just to see him there. Quite frankly, <laughs> I cannot wait. <laughs> uh, my tune is going to be so changed on Sebastian <laughs> Vettel next season. <laughs> going to be the biggest hypocrite. Uh, I can't wait to see him in red. <laughs> Uh, Lotus War had uh, that master of Formula One, Charles Peak, <laughs> driving for them he's today. Still getting gigs, quite frankly. It's quite impressive. Yes. <laughs> uh, Wednesday tomorrow will be Esteban Ocon and Alex Lynn. Uh, Alex Lynn is the GP3 champion. Uh, Ocon, I don't know. Is he from GP3 as well? I don't think he's uh, GP2. Is he? <laughs> don't know the answer to that question. I think so. Uh, without looking it up. Uh, McLaren, um, if they ever get that engine working in their car, uh, will have Stoffel van Dorn driving for them. They didn't have a particularly good day of testing today as they uh, had an electrical problem, kept them in the garage all morning, and then the car stopped after its installation lap on track. Oops. Ocon is from uh, Renault 3.5. Ah, uh, okay. I knew it was from something like that. I didn't think and, it was... Uh, European F3. Yeah. So. Okay. But nothing nothing too exciting man, to get there. He's only 18. No, there you go. This a, ve a veritable veteran who I uh, <laughs> bar standards these days. Uh, Force India have uh, GP2 champion Julian Palmer driving for them today, and Spike Goddard, who's somebody I haven't heard of uh, tomorrow. Sauber have Marcus Ericsson driving both days. 
waste of time. Uh, Toro Rosso have Max Verstappen, who already managed to bin his car on the first day. Genius. Um, Williams had Bottas today and Felipe Nazza uh, will be doing his last piece of testing. For Williams, that's a very strange one, actually, isn't it? Given that Nazza's often yeah. buggering to Zaba that they'd let him in the car. Um, I guess... <laughs> They're maybe not worried about Sauber. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. Uh, and Caterham, as we mentioned before, um, Will Stevens um, will Caterham be driving managing for them. to do some testing, are they? It does seem slightly pointless, doesn't it? Realistically, when you're not sure you're going to make it to the grid next season. But I guess the whole point is that you've got all the cars and stuff out there. You might as well just get on and do it and look like a racing team and hope that that improves your lot in who's going to buy you. I suppose, yeah. No. So, are McLaren, when did McLaren get to start using Honda Power then? Now. Is it right now? I thought yeah. that. Yeah, it was Honda in, Honda in the car today. It just didn't go anywhere. <laughs> I guess yeah, it broke down after on its uh, third installation lap. <laughs> sure and, would uh, be surprised. <laughs> well, I, I guess that's the whole point is, is that at least they're getting it all out of the way now. Mm-hmm. And uh, a, a bit like, um, it was like the, the Renault, wasn't it? In Red Bull. It broke down constantly through it testing and then was actually pretty good during the season. Reliability-wise, yeah. It was surprising, actually. It was a fairly... <coughs> excuse me. A fairly reliable season all round. There weren't actually that many... Somehow. <laughs> like, given what we expected. Ironically, the people who seemed to be affected mostly by engine groundwinds were Mercedes, off the top of my head. I don't know whether that's just because they were just more prominent, but... I don't know whether maybe they were pushing the boundaries of what they could and couldn't do a little bit more... Perhaps. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that aggressive um, split turbo possibly leaves itself open for uh, things like that happening. I don't know. Who knows? Um, anything else that you've noticed in the world of F1? Yeah. Just having a wee look. It's always a bit quiet once somebody's won the world championship because that's all anybody wants to talk about. So. So- Sober didn't get a single point all season. It's worth mentioning. It's probably the first time that's happened. In There's a been a few time. records like that, actually, isn't it? It's the first season that uh, Ferrari and McLaren haven't won at least one race <laughs> between the two of them since, like, 1980-something. Um, yeah, first time Sab haven't scored a point for something about the same kind of um, same kind of distance. Um 1993. Gosh. Oh, no, hold on. Yeah, that's the first time they've never scored a point. They entered in 1993. <laughs> and still and managed the, to score a point. The, that's the first time they've never, I think they've never scored a point, which is, you were putting, who did they put in the car this year? Sotil and Gutierrez. The writing was on the wall in Australia with that lineup. Yeah. Yeah, we went, um, we weren't especially looking for them to do very much, but I guess it's a shame that they still didn't um, manage to get anything on the board. Um, I like Salva. I wish they were doing better. Um, yeah, in their very first season, they scored twelve points. So <laughs> that's their fucking that's their worst season ever. Ever. And their first season, they also managed to outscore a few established teams like. Uh, Say established. I don't know how established these teams were at the time, but Jordan and Minardi, stuff like that. So, yeah, even their very first season, 
they were better than they are now. So <laughs> they've regressed. Yeah, that's not good. That's not good. Oh, one brilliant statistic, statistic I thought it was this is actually Pastor Maldonado's second best season ever, point scoring wise. Second best season ever. And how many points did he get? One? Uh, Two. Something ridiculous, yeah. Something like that. Two points. <laughs> In all of his other seasons, he's uh, he's uh, scored one point, apart from that one season where he won a race. <laughs> I'm shaking my head right now. You can't see it, but I am shaking my head. <laughs> it's a man who brings $20 million with him for some unknown reason wherever he Who's goes. Who's giving him $20 million? <laughs> Who's <laughs> oh, thinking that that is a good idea? That's like for... it just goes to show that the Venezuelan oil barons <laughs> must have more money than sense if that's how they think they want to invest their money. <laughs> where is where is your return on investment in powder pasta Maldonado? There there is none. Absolutely ludicrous. Ah oh, dear. He would be so out of drive if he didn't have that money. Well, I... so out of drive. Exactly. Think of the guys that have lost seats. And Maldonado was still clung on with a dear life. Oh, dear. Well, I don't know about you, but I, I feel that kind of brings us quite nicely to the end of the show and pretty much the end of the season. End of the season. Just, I hate now. This next three months. 108 days. Rubbish. Absolutely rubbish. <laughs> 108 <laughs> days until we get to talk about Formula I, One happening again, at least. I can't believe the season's gone so quickly, though. I mean, it's just flown in from my perspective, anyway. Like, it doesn't seem like a, yesterday we were doing Melbourne and talking about what's going to happen with these new regs, and then all before we know it, oh, it's over. Got a new world champion. Yes. Yeah. Very, very strange. Very, very strange. But um, that is the end of the season, and so the end of the podcast. Um, not forever. Uh, like, like I say, we'll be trying to organise a little season review show, um, hopefully with our good friends at Good Podcasts, uh, and hopefully if we can uh, get it organised uh, at Formula Pubcast as well. Um, if at all possible, get their thoughts on the season as well and wrap it all up in a nice little bundle for you with the things that we think are good and bad and um, Pastor Maldonado about the <laughs> uh, <laughs> about the season just gone. Um, in the meantime, keep following us uh, on Twitter uh, at Final Lap Podcast. Um, keep uh, liking us uh, and keeping up with our updates on Facebook. Just search for The Last Lap Podcast. Um, We've got personal Twitter, so you can get in contact with us about whatever you'd like to, whether it's Formula One or not. Uh, I'm at Mangle Megs. I'm at Fog on the Fourth. Um, subscribe to us on iTunes so that you can keep up with the uh, episodes as soon as they come out, or on TuneIn as well. Uh, you can download as, that as a, an app on your Android or uh, iOS devices and uh, listen to us on the move. Um, and, of course, keep up to date with everything that's going on uh, at modernfanatical.co.uk. That's our home website. Um, leave us little comments there. Uh, leave us reviews on iTunes. We'd really like to hear what you think about the podcast. Um, it really helps us if you if you can leave those reviews on iTunes. So uh, please do that. Um, and for the final time in season, I've been your host, Andrew Pearson. My lovely co-host, as always, has been Sean Gray. Thanks, Sean.
<laughs> what do you want me to say? I don't know, anything. So then, <laughs> say something, damn it. Um, and we'd like to thank you very much for your continued patronage of this little podcast that we do. Uh, we love doing it. We hope you love listening to it. Uh, and we hope you continue to listen to it going forward. So thanks very much, guys. And we'll see you soon. Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks.